with me, otherwise the scriptures will pop up on the screen just behind me. We're going to read a small picture, a little snapshot of the birth of Jesus into our world, and then we'll look at what it has to tell us today. So Luke 2 verse 8, and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. These are men who are working the night shift, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And that sounds like the exact kind of message we need if the newspapers are saying that kind of thing about 2016. And it goes on and says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. And if you don't know the story, I want to pause for a second. An angel appears in the sky and is speaking to people. What do you think the message, the sign that they are going to bring is? In my mind, it's not going to be a small sign. It's going to be this massive sign, far more glorious than an angel appearing and speaking to you. But when they tell them what the sign about the Savior, Christ the Lord, the King, God himself coming in the flesh, what that sign is going to look like, the angel says, you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths in a nappy and lying in a manger, lying in an animal's feeding trough. You've kind of got to ask yourself there, what? The angels appear to announce this baby in this situation. It's a bit of a surprise. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. It goes on and says, When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, They made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. As we look at the real Christmas story, it's not like that kind of Northern Hemisphere Disney picture of Christmas that we might have in our minds. It is nitty gritty. It is PG-16. It is drama. There's all sorts of stuff going on, sin and doubt, celebrity skeptics. There's angels, there's poverty, there's joy, and there's grace. All of these things tied together into this one story of this one man's birth. So I'd like to get into the story together and look at how this story but something that happened 2,000 years ago can still be good news of great joy for us today and how it can still be relevant for us in Durban, South Africa in 2016. Despite the economic climate, despite the political climate, despite what the papers are saying, there is some good news for us today. So the passage starts with the shepherds, an interesting way to introduce the birth of Jesus to the world. And I thought to myself as I was going through each part of the story, why the shepherds, you know? Why does it include them? Why does it spend all of those verses, 12 verses, looking at the shepherds and their experience? Because the shepherds are not important. You know, these men, these shepherds who worked at night were blue-collar workers out in the field. They weren't rich. They weren't famous. They weren't influential. They weren't leaders. Why invite them to the birth of Jesus into this world? You know, these men probably would have lived out in the fields. You know, they at least spent most of their time there, so they would have smelt. You know, if you're there in the heat of the day, I mean, just imagine being outside today, you would smell. Imagine being, dealing with these sheep, hugging them, moving them, having to deal with them. You would pick their smells up. You wouldn't smell great. And also, these guys were not rich. Living out in the fields, working out in the fields, they didn't have a lot of money, and some of them would have been homeless. The fields would have been their home where they stayed when they weren't working. 
Add to this the danger of being a shepherd 2,000 years ago. As you see in the story of David back in the Old Testament, there's bears, there's wolves, there's all sorts of enemies he needs to fight. Some of them would have had some scars and some stories about the predators they'd had to fight out off to protect their sheep. It's interesting that they are invited to the birth of Jesus. We've got to ask why. And the only answer I could come up with is grace. It's got to be God's grace that these guys are invited. There's no other reason because they didn't deserve it. These shepherds weren't worthy of being at the bedside of Jesus as he was born. It's not like something that they had achieved or accomplished. It's not something of their own worth that they had brought so that they could be at Jesus' bedside. And it's kind of just like us when we think about Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. He didn't die for us because of something we'd done. It's not because we achieved something, because of our worth, because of who we were, because of our morality. It's not because of who we did. It's only by grace. By grace alone, these shepherds got invited to be there when Jesus, the Savior of the world, was born. And it shows us that this message that he brought, the life that he came to live, is good news of great joy for all people. Not just for some, not just for the important, not just for the rich, not just for the educated, not just for those with influence and power. The message that Jesus brought is for all people. And I don't know your story. I don't know your past. I don't know what you've done in the past. I don't know the sins you've committed or that have been committed against you. But no matter what your story is, this message is for you. Good news of great joy for you and I and all of us today. This message is for everyone. And on that ordinary night, as the shepherds just went about working as they always did, this angel appears out of nowhere and speaks to them and tells them news that would change their life forever. Now, we were praying before the service, and Brendan said something that I think is so true. I have been watching and listening to the story probably since I was four or five. I don't know. I remember my sister being Mary in the Kloof Junior Primary play, and I remember dinosaurs and donkeys and all sorts of creatures coming out to celebrate the birth of Jesus the King in this cool pre-primary play. I think we've heard the story so many times that it can just become something that we know and are familiar with, but we miss the beauty of the story. So I want to try and contemporize this for us a little bit, maybe so that we can see it with fresh eyes. And I thought if this happened this Christmas, not that Jesus was born on the 25th of December, but you know what I mean. If there were shepherds that had angels appear to them somewhere in Durban, who would they be? What would their job be? What would the story look like? And the best kind of comparison I could think between shepherds would be petrol attendants. And I was thinking of these guys working the night shift. I don't know if you've ever been to a petrol station, like at 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock. Those guys are tired, man. You can imagine some of them are awake during the day, working during the day, and now they're at the petrol station at night. There's not much going on. There's maybe three or four of them there, and you pull in. Often you find they're sitting in the back room, and they're listening to the radio or watching a small TV they've brought in. Half of the time, they're asleep. Or you see these guys with these, like, really baggy, heavy eyes walking around. They want to be asleep, and now they slowly mosey over to your car to pour some petrol and find out what you want, and they go slow. You've got plenty of time while you're there. And that's these guys. They would have been at the petrol station. They're working ordinary nights, a few people coming through. Maybe they're listening to the radio, whatever it is, and out of nowhere, this angel appears under the engine rooftop with those fluorescent lights, and the angel shines far more brightly than those fluorescent lights could ever shine. Just the glory of the angels explodes under that roof. And the petrol attendants, can you imagine the CCTV footage? These guys would have gotten the fright of their lives. They would have gone from 10% awake to fully energized straight away. And they would have probably been running all over the place, falling over each other, scrambling around. It would have gone viral if it had been put on YouTube. It would be an amazing clip to have. 
And they would have gotten the shock of their lives as this angel says, don't fear, I've got a message for you tonight. And then the angel shares this message about what is happening and tells them that God himself has been born nearby and tells them directions where to go that they can see this and what they will see when they arrive. And they're not just the one angel, but tons of angels appear all around this petrol station, more glory, more light, more bright than ever before, singing and praising God. Must be one of those moments they wanted to remember for the rest of their lives. What a special Christmas, what a special night at work. And as the angels leave, these men say to themselves, let's go, let's get there, let's see the Savior who is born, Christ the Lord. And the shepherds arrive at the door. And I say door generously because we all think that Jesus was born in a stable or a barn. But as I said the other night, and you all laughed at me, Jesus was probably born in a cave. And um, you guys didn't understand it, but the historians and theologians all say that. So they would have come and knocked on the brick or whatever it is, knocked on the rock, and they would have come to look for the Savior. And I thought, what would they have seen as they arrived at that cave? Now, any cave I've been in has been a little bit damp, a little bit musty. And I was thinking of them arriving there in this place where animals were kept. And the animals probably would have messed in that cave. I don't know if you've been to like a petting zoo or a farm or you've been around animals or where animals stay, but it doesn't smell great. So these shepherds who've been with the sheep come into this cave and it's dark and it's musty and there's this animal smell. It's not a great situation. I was also thinking for the first time, the reality that they didn't have electricity. I don't know what the candle situation would have been in Bethlehem back in the day. Maybe they had a few candles, but they probably had to light a bit of a fire so that there was light, so they would have had the smoky smell. It wouldn't have been great. Do you want me to change? Okay. They wouldn't have had um, candle lights or anything great going on, so they would have had this musty smell, this fire smell, this animal smell, this animal mess smell all going on in the cave, and I just thought if the angel hadn't told them what to expect when they arrived, they would have been shocked. You can imagine if they didn't know that they were going to find this baby in a manger wrapped in swaddling cloth, they would have knocked on the side of the cave and they would have said, sorry guys, I think we've got the wrong place. We're looking for a cave filled with angels just glowing with glory because God himself has come to earth. You know, that's what we're looking for. And they would have walked into this cave and probably been a little bit disappointed. I thought of us, you know, we think, okay, if we're going to go and see Jesus lying in a feeding trough in a manger, we're going to be stoked and excited. But I think if I was to put up a picture of what Jesus' birth looked like, we would have seen poverty and despair. Jesus lying in an animal's feeding trough in a smelly, unhygienic room with fire and weird people all around. I don't think it's exactly what we would have wanted to see. These shepherds, in a way, went from angels appearing to anticlimax, from seeing glory to seeing a very ordinary, despairing, poverty-ridden sight. It's a very interesting moment. But they believed the angel's message. And they believed when they came into this cave and when they saw this ordinary baby lying in this manger, that this baby was in fact Jesus, the Savior of the world. It wasn't just a weird, ordinary, poverty-ridden situation, but God himself was in that cave with them and they had seen his face. And I want to ask all of us this morning, like those shepherds, when you look into the manger of Jesus, what do you see? What do you see in that cave? Do you see just an ordinary baby? Do you see a hoax or a myth that's been told for many years? Do you see a baby who would become a great teacher or prophet? Or do you see Jesus, who is the Savior, Christ the Lord, God himself, come in the flesh? What do you see inside of that manger? And the question that I'm asking you, what you see there and who you see hanging on the cross, 
will change everything about your life? Those are very important questions that we need to answer. And I wanted to say that because I think a lot of us can think at times the wrong idea about what it means to be a Christian. So we think to ourselves, you know, to be a Christian is to be a nice person, to be a good person, a loving person, a kind person, and you must believe that there's a God somewhere out there. You know, we think that's what being a Christian is all about. But to be honest, as I've spent time with people over the last 30 years I've been alive, I've met a lot of kind, more moral, more thoughtful, more generous people outside of the church who don't necessarily believe in God or who worship a different God to us than some of the Christians who I've met who just have seemed so much unlike Jesus. We've got to ask ourselves then, what does it really mean to be a Christian? So this morning as I bring that up, I want to say a Christian is someone who puts their faith in Jesus, someone who believes in Jesus, who repents of their sin, who trusts Him to forgive them of everything they've done. And I wanted to ask you today, are you able to say that you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that He's God, that He's the Savior, that He's the Redeemer, that He's the way, the truth, and the life, that He is unique in all of human history, that there is no other way to God but Him? And if I was to call you up here, would you be able to take the mouth and, at the mic and say with your mouth that Jesus was raised from the dead? that God raised him from the dead and he conquered sin, death, and the devil. And would you be able to say, you know what, I've asked Jesus to forgive my sin, to wash me clean, to save me from my life before I knew him. Would you be able to say that? Because if you can, then you're a Christian. It's as easy as that. But if you can't say that, I want to tell you today, simply you are not a Christian. But there's an opportunity today for every single one of us to do what those shepherds did, to come and look into the manger and to see that baby who would grow up to go to the cross and to respond to him, and to begin to follow him, and for some of us in this room to be inspired again by the story of his birth, and to continue the journey of living for and following Jesus. That's what it's about. And these angels come to the shepherds, and they tell them that they've brought good news of great joy for all the people, because of who Jesus is, and because of what he's done. And I think for some of us today, we hear that and it sounds great, but what we actually believe in our hearts is my confidence before God. The fact that God would love me is completely based on who I am and what I've done. So we've got to work hard for it, you know? And that is not the message of Jesus. That is not good news, and that should not fill us with great joy this morning. Imagine if that is the way we live. And I think some of us do live this way, even if it's just at times. We think, you know what? If I live a good life, God is pleased with me. If I mess up, if I fail, God is angry at me. And if that was true, I'd be so discouraged. Imagine it like this. Tomorrow you go to the shops and you get out of your car and you think, I want to be good. I want to be generous. And you go to your wallet and instead of taking out two rand or five rand that you might give to someone who's begging, you decide I'm going to take out 20 rand. And you go and you walk up to them and you say, here man, it's Christmas. Happy Christmas. Here's 20 bucks. And you walk away feeling pretty good about yourself. You're like, I'm a generous person. I think I've done pretty well there. Your chest starts to puff out a little bit and you, you walk a little bit more straight up and you think, sure. I'm actually a really generous guy. I'm pretty impressed with myself. I've had a good Christmas. God must be so pleased with me, you know? And then you stop and you realize, ah, I'm being proud again, you know? And you pray and you stop and say, God, please forgive me. I'm sorry I'm being proud. And you're praying this prayer to God. You're saying, God, help me to be more like you. And then you, you open your eyes after that prayer and your eyes just catch an attractive person walking past. You just follow them a little bit and you look away and then you look back and then in your heart you just start to feel some lust and you start to fantasize inappropriately about this person walking past and then you catch yourself again and you think, ah, I'm not meant to be doing that either. So you go back to your wallet and you grab 50 bucks this time and you run back to that person or you run to someone else and just want to make right for what you've done wrong. I think we don't really live like that, but in some ways some of us live like that, you know. 
Will God be pleased with me? Yes, if I do well. But if I fail, God is going to be so angry with me. So we're constantly trying to make sure that our life is just good enough to please God. That is not the gospel. That is not good news of great joy. That is not the message of Jesus. And honestly, if that's how I lived, God would have given up on me a long time ago. Because I know that I don't have the willpower, the strength, the self-discipline. I don't know, the ability to overcome all of the desires and sinful things inside of me that war in my heart. I need God's grace. I need his forgiveness, and I need his help. I stand before you as a sinful man who is desperately thankful to Jesus for his grace, for being born in that manger, and for dying on the cross for my sins. I hope you're glad about that too. But we learn as we look at Luke 2, and as we look at this Christmas story, this amazing idea that Christmas teaches us that salvation doesn't come from within, but it comes from above. Christmas teaches us that salvation doesn't come from within, it comes from above. It's not something that we achieve by what we do, it's something that we receive from Jesus as the most incredible gift. Jesus is an amazing savior. So I wanna ask you again, when you look into the manger, what do you see? What do you see? And in this Advent story of Jesus' birth, we see these two big ideas at war. The one is the glorious, the extraordinary, the supernatural, and the other is the very ordinary, average, even mundane at times. And what I mean by that is I would rather choose the extraordinary. Give me the angels, you know? Give me the wise men traveling from Babylon with gifts of gold, well, probably more gold than frankincense or myrrh, but give me those guys, you know? Give me the miraculous virgin birth. Give me the miraculous star that points to where Jesus was born. Or give me the prophecies that had been shared thousands of years before Jesus' birth that were fulfilled in that moment. I love that prophetic, supernatural, powerful stuff. But along with that, we get the ordinary stuff. You know, Mary and Joseph traveling on a donkey. There's no room at the inn, so they have to give birth to Jesus in this cave. There's moments where shepherds appear at the door. They've been out in the fields, they smell a bit, and now they want to come in and greet your baby. The cave is damp, there's animals everywhere, it smells a bit. That's the ordinary part of this Christmas story. And I was reading one author this week, a guy named Zach Eswine, and he told this story out of Luke 2. I was so excited about it. That it really just made so much sense to me. He said, imagine that you are the person at the Soccer World Cup. You're on the field, and the ball comes to you in the closing minutes of play, and you kick it, and you score the goal that wins the World Cup for your team. Instant applause, glory, the lights are flashing. Your photograph is going to be on the cover of every newspaper around the world. You'll be interviewed on CNN, BBC, maybe even Al Jazeera will get you in. And you'll do all these interviews. There'll be applause. There'll be glory. There'll be autographs signed. Your cards will be sold. Your jersey will become more popular. All of that stuff. And after a few days of glory and after a few extraordinary days, you have to go home. And in your apartment or home, you've got to love your wife and care for your children and clean dishes, and pay bills, and deal with a pop tire in your car, and clean up your dog's mess in the yard. You go from the glory of winning that goal to the ordinariness of everyday life. And that's kind of what the Christian life is like. It's both. It's what the Christmas story is like. Extraordinary moments, and a lot of very ordinary moments in between. And as I thought of Jesus' birth, as this picture of the Christian life, I thought for people in this room, you've probably had both this year. We've probably all had a bit of both. But for some of you in this room, you've had a year of the angels appearing. God has answered your prayers. He's done some amazing things. He's provided for you. It's been a year of God's favor. And you are so encouraged as 2016 ends. You're like, bring on 2017. It's going to be even better than the year before. You feel like the guy who kicked the goal that won the World Cup for his team. That's how you feel. 
And then some of us in this room feel a lot more ordinary. You know, this has been a year of donkeys and smells and the less glorious, more ordinary kinds of things. And maybe the year hasn't just been ordinary. Maybe it's been bad. Maybe it's been a tough 2016 for you, a kind of front page of the newspaper, no Christmas cheer kind of year for you. And I thought maybe for you, even worse than ordinary, it's been terrible. Like if you're honest, just like it's been a bad year. I've hated this year. I'm worried about 2017. And if you're completely honest, you'd say, you know what, I'm actually a bit angry at God. This year as things have happened and as I've felt out of my depth, I've thought to myself, God, where are you? Why are you not hearing my prayers? Why are you not helping me in the situation that I'm facing at the moment? You know what I'm going through. How can you be good and let this go on in my life? Maybe you've had a year like that and you're looking ahead to 2017 saying, I don't know if I can do this again. God, where are you? This is the last chance. Maybe you're saying that this morning. This is the last chance I'm gonna give you, God. You've gotta come through for me. And as I read through this passage, I was kind of caught up by a word that said they wandered. And I thought to myself, maybe these are the skeptics in this passage. In Luke 2, verse 17 to 19, it's talking about the shepherds telling their story. And it says, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child by the angels. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary, she treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Now, I've always thought of that story this way. When the, when the shepherds told the stories of seeing the angels, everyone was filled with wonder. Wow, that is so amazing. I wish we'd been out in the fields and had seen the angels. I wonder what an angel looks like. That is an amazing story. But this time as I read through it, I had another thought. It says they all wondered but Mary. It's like Mary responded differently to everyone else, to what was being said by these shepherds. And I thought to myself, what if, as these shepherds were telling this story, everyone wondered kind of, who let these guys in? You know, the one guy smells like he's been drinking. The story sounds absurd. Can we really believe that they saw the angels? Did they maybe not just wander in, you know? And now they're telling this weird story about all of the stuff. It's crazy, you know? But Mary. And I thought to myself, maybe it's a bit of both. There's a bit of wonder, wow, this is amazing. This moment is supernatural. This boy who is born is special. There's angels. All these pieces of the story are coming together. And maybe there's also a bit of wonder, why are these guys here? these weird shepherds from the field. Why are they in this cave with us tonight? But I love that Mary treasured up all of this stuff in her hearts. And if you're skeptical, I fully understand it. I mean, this Christmas story is a bit weird. The birth of Jesus is a very unique story. And if I was trying to tell the story of how God appeared in the world, it is not the story I would write. I would think of something far more grand. I think if you watch reality TV ever, whenever a new contestant enters a show, they have a far more explosive, glorious, amazing entrance than Jesus seemed to have into the world. Born in a lowly manger in a cave with all of these things around him. But Mary treasured up all of these things in her heart. And I was so struck by that. And I want to ask you again, what do you see when you look into the manger? And do you treasure these things about Jesus in your heart? Do you love him? As I go through these stories again, are you amazed at the beauty of who he is? Are you amazed at the story of how God entered the world? Are you overwhelmed by the thought of him going to the cross to die for our sins? Because the shepherds were. I think the shepherds would have treasured this night up in their hearts amazingly. And it tells us that they left there praising and glorifying God. Their lives were changed. It was a night they would never forget at all. And I think for us, we see the shepherds whose lives have been touched by the grace of God in a very ordinary evening, even in an ordinary setting in the, in the cave, not the grave. We see Jesus in a manger in the midst of this ordinary setting. 
Emmanuel, God with us. And I thought for us, as we go home, maybe this week ahead will be ordinary. Maybe it'll be mundane. Maybe it'll be average. Maybe it'll be disappointing. Maybe it'll be discouraging. But Jesus is in the midst of our lives. He's in the midst of our stories. He's in the midst of the situations we find ourselves in. God is there in the midst of it all. And I wanna encourage you to find great hope in that reality that whether 2016 has been a hard year or an amazing year for you, God is in the midst of it all. He is with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. He cares about you. And I thought this year, your Christmas budget might be a little bit tight. You might not have work. Your family might be fighting. You might have to tighten your belts. All the things that this newspaper article talked about. This might have been your year. No Christmas cheer. But Luke 2 tells us that Jesus is enough. Luke 2 tells us if we've had a bad year, if everything has gone wrong, we're discouraged. Jesus is enough. He is good. He will satisfy us. He is all we need. He is our real treasure. He is our joy. And nothing can take him away from us. I just thought of a psalm that I know, written hundreds of years before Jesus was born. In Psalm 73, verse 25, that says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. And then it says, my flesh and my heart may fail. It's talking about the body. Maybe I will get sick. Maybe my heart's not gonna work. Maybe this year I will be very, very ill. Maybe I can carry it on. What other things could fail us in 2017? Maybe the rand. Maybe our economy could fail us in 2017. Maybe our president, the political leaders that we have could fail us this year. Maybe your boss will fail you. Maybe clients will fail you. Maybe your spouse or your children will fail you. Or maybe you will fail yourself and you will fail people in your lives. Maybe you'll get sick this year or someone that you love, someone you care about will die this year. I hope that doesn't happen, but it could happen. 2017 could be the worst year of our lives. But the passage goes on. My flesh and my heart may fail, but... God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And no matter what this year has looked like for you, and no matter what the year ahead looks like, the angels bring us good news of great joy for all people about who this Jesus is and what he's done because Jesus is enough and Jesus satisfies even in the most dark and desperate of situations. And this Christmas, could we stop believing the lie that anything is better than him? You see, there are two headlines over this Christmas. The first is the one that I've shown us already. No Christmas cheer. It's an ordinary headline. It's a natural headline. It looks like the damp cave and the shepherds and the animals and all of that. But there is another headline that we can believe in this year. And it's the headline of Luke 2. It's the headline that the angels bring. It's the good news of great joy for all people. It's a supernatural headline so that even in the difficult and desperate times, we can know that Jesus is good and that Jesus is enough. And it can bring hope to us in despair and pain. It can bring peace to us when we are really struggling with anxiety or stress. It can bring joy to us even in the toughest times or salvation to us in the midst of our sins and our failures and our mistakes. But the second headline is only a reality for those who are in Christ, those who are following Jesus. And it says that the shepherds left the cave that night praising and glorifying God for all that they had seen and heard. What an amazing night. Because they had encountered Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, not just a random baby in a cave. And I want to ask you again, who do you see in that manger? 
Do you treasure up these truths in your heart? Today, I want to call us to respond to that second headline, the good news of great joy for all people, because this is the gift that God gives to us this Christmas inside of Jesus. Can we all stand together? The band are going to come forward in just a second, and they're going to lead us in a new song, actually a beautiful song that you may or may not know. If you want, you're welcome to sing the lyrics along with them. Otherwise, you can read them and just think about what they mean and pray to God as you go through them. But I just thought for us today, there's an opportunity to respond to the headlines that are offered. Some of us today have definitely gotten down because of the headline, No Cheer This Christmas. And maybe for some of us who follow Jesus, actually we're thinking to ourselves, you know what? I've gotten distracted. Rather than looking at Jesus, I've been looking at other things. Rather than fixing my gaze on him, I've been trusting in other things. And today you want to respond to him again. I love to pray for us and ask God to meet with us. So Lord, I do. I I really ask you, Jesus, as you are so incredible and unique and different, would you meet with us now, Lord? And I pray for those of us who've been following you for a long time and have believed the headline of the newspapers and the world around us. Would you give us joy? Would you give us hope? Would you give us peace? Would you give us salvation inside of yourself? And we do want to turn our eyes from those things back to you. And for those in this room who maybe today are skeptical and they realize they want to begin a journey of following you, there's an opportunity now to respond to Jesus, to respond to who He is in the manger and who He is on the cross, to ask Him to forgive you of your sins, to wash you clean, and to begin the journey of following Him. So Jesus, we welcome you in this place and we pray that you would wash some of us clean, fill us with your Spirit, encourage us, lift us if our hearts are downcast. We pray for your love and your joy, your encouragement and your peace, your hope this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.